This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. This week, I've got two exciting guests, one a little more exciting than the other, but I've got a good friend of mine, Mr. Jason Nichols, and his boy, Jude. I uh, I spent the weekend this weekend with Jason, and he was telling me all these crazy redneck stories about his son. Uh, Just, frankly, stories you don't believe a 12-year-old would do. Uh, because these days, 12-year-olds are all about video games and sitting and watching TV. But Jude is out killing squirrels, tanning the hides himself, frog gigging, bow fishing, killing deer, just living the 12-year-old redneck dream. So I just thought, I have to get this kid on the podcast. So I am joined by Jason Nichols and Jude, and we talk about all of Jude's crazy redneck adventures, getting bit by coons in the feet and taking possums in the house and all the other crazy stuff he does. We also talk about uh, how Jude can work on building a bigger and better draw weight so he can successfully shoot deer with his bow. We talk about bow fishing. We talk about how Jason got his kids involved in hunting. It's a good episode. I hope you'll stay right here tuned in because this is a fun one. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Guys, my goal is to never be the next, you know, mountain athlete that's constantly training and who's the most jacked guy you've ever seen. And they say, you got to be this way to hunt. That's not my goal. My goal is to be the most successful hunter that I can be. And I found out in 2018 that that involves working out. I went on a Western hunt and I got my tail kicked. And I decided in that moment that I would never let my physical abilities stop me from being successful while hunting. And so I got home and I got to work losing about 50 pounds. I then met one of my mentors, Harvey Ebers, who is 82 years old and he still crushes it while he's hunting. And when I asked him what he attributes that to, he quickly said resistance training because he's still at age 82 resistance trains and he does that so that he can continue to hunt. And so guys, I'm a firm believer in training to be a better hunter. Um, that doesn't mean again, that I'm going out and running a, a marathon a day. That doesn't mean that I spend four hours in the gym a day. I train so I can be a better hunter. I quickly fell in love with a product called ready nutrients. Ready nutrients is built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen. And what this is going to do is it's going to create opportunities for me to be the best in the gym and get the most out of the gym that I can so that I can then in turn be the best in the woods and on the mountain. So guys, if you do any kind of training whatsoever, and if you're a hunter, again, I encourage you to do some sort of training, even if it's mobility training, even if it's just a little bit of shoulder work, knee work, ankle work, just to stay healthy and fluid for the mountain. But if you do any kind of training, I would highly encourage you to check out Ready Nutrients at LiveReady.com. Whether you're looking for a pre-workout to get the most out of the gym, whether you're looking at their BCAAs and hydration blends to recover on the mountain, whether you're looking to get better sleep so that you can, again, be better on the mountain. All of these things 
are were, were brought to mind because they were built again to help you perform in the woods. So guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Ready Nutrients at liveready.com so the next time that you hit the mountains, you will be ready. All right, Jason. So before we start, man, you have successfully before we get into the the Chronicles of Jude here. <laughs> um, you have successfully gotten now all four of your boys into hunting. Um, which fascinates me. And I like to I like to glean knowledge from dads who have successfully gotten kids involved in hunting. Um, because that's a question I get so much from people is is, hey, I've got a, a son and he's not really showing interest or um, I've got a daughter and I really want her to start hunting. What should I do? Um, so how did you successfully get all your boys involved in hunting? Well, that's a great question, Dylan. And I think it really goes back to the way I was raised and my dad being a big hunter and yeah. then my grandpa being a big hunter. So as a little boy, uh, my dad would, he would put a Daisy Red Rider BB gun in my hand. <laughs> And we would take off for the woods if it was deer hunting, squirrel hunting, uh, anything. Anything. We uh, he raised bird dogs. We 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 quail hunted. Uh, he had coon dogs, so we coon hunted. That's awesome. Uh, we did anything we could. You know, I had a little red lantern, and and he would take me out at night, and that was my flashlight. Was that lantern? <laughs> and and I would get tired and fall asleep in the leaves. You know, and then when the dogs had one treed, he'd wake me up, and we'd go go get the coon. And and my grandpa now he only bird hunted, but. I remember that tradition of getting to go quail hunting with my grandpa and my dad yeah, and just how much that imprinted on me as a little boy. So I absolutely loved it. And, and so I knew that as soon as I had kids, I was going to put a Daisy Red Rider in their hand <laughs> and I was going to take them into the woods and really keeping it fun, not making them just sit and be quiet, right. you know, just get out there, shoot some birds, shoot some squirrels shoot anything anything <laughs> turtles uh put a fishing pole in their hand yeah. so from the very early age we were doing that and involving my dad my brother you know it was a family thing uh, my brother's son so anytime yeah. we go to mom and dad's we all get together and we're going to do something in the That's outdoors cool. so i think just because that was passed down to me right you know then naturally the boys have gravitated to it as well and and again, not forcing anything, but just trying to keep it really fun, especially when they were younger. So I had a conversation not too long ago with a, a gentleman, and um, well, his name is Doctor Jack Frost. I don't know if you you recognize that name, um, but just a legendary hunter. Um, he's well right. into his he's well into his eighties at this point. Yeah, um, but he still hunts all over the world, and and he talked about how these dads they they miss it. Because what they do is they jump to, dude, I'm going to take you on your first hunt. We're going to go on a mule deer hunt. It's going to be mm-hmm. awesome. And they shoot a banger of a mule deer, or they're like, oh, we're, uh, first hunt. We're going to do big. We're going to go on elk hunter. Or, or even just a whitetail. I say just a whitetail, but they jump to big game. Yeah. They shoot one. They're like, well, that was really cool. I'm glad I did that. And then they're done. Whereas, and, and you know, Dr. Jack's mentality was like, dude, I started off shooting, like you said, he said, I started off shooting squirrels, rabbits, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so then when it finally moved into big game, it was almost like you, you're able to hunt big game now. So it was more of a, a privilege. It was more of an honor. So that way, when it did happen, it wasn't like, I'm glad I, that was cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad I tried that dad. Thanks for, for taking me. Right. And so he talked about just like how much he thinks kids are burned on hunting because they jump straight to mm. killing a big, a big buck or, a, you know, like I said, a mule deer or whatever. And so then it's just like, a, okay, well. That's a notch. I, I did that. It's over. And they don't view it as like a lifelong journey. Yeah. So did you, did you purposely make any kind of, like, did you do that with your boys? Start small or did you jump straight into big game? Yeah, we definitely started small. I mean, we even make games of, you know, trying to shoot a grasshopper off a fence with a BB gun. I mean, you know, we're, we're not opposed to shooting <laughs> insects or little frogs, you know. Yeah. So definitely, I think that's a great approach. And that's exactly what dad did for me. You know, it was a privilege when I got to to actually go deer hunting. Yeah. Of course, I got major lectures about safety. And, <laughs> you know, I was 12 years old before I actually got a, a gun in my hand that I could try yeah. to take a deer. So we let the boys start a little sooner than that. 
however, not, you know, not too soon. Right. And, and I, I'm a big believer in that. Just let's let them acclimate, let them learn to shoot too. I think that was a huge thing for the boys with, with the pellet rifles, you know, pellet guns they have now and the scopes. I mean, it feels like you're shooting a rifle. So we kind of, we graduated the boys from the, the, the red rider up to the, the pellet rifle with the scope. And that way they were, they were confident, you know, by the time they got a rifle in their hand, they were confident with that. And same thing with bows. I mean, we started out with just the, the little, you know, uh, recurve and compound kid bows, let them, let them play with those. And then, uh, we got the boys is, is they were probably nine years old. I would say that's when we got them. They're actual, the youth grows, you go, the, the white tail apprentice too. Yeah. That bear puts out. Yeah. We, uh, Tucker just got his first little recurve and, um, Seven minutes out of the box, he was stalking every little squirrel in the backfield. And I'm like, dude, you can't even, you can't even hit the target from four yards yet. Like, what do you? But he, for hours, just stalked around squirrels or birds, and they'd fly off. And yeah, he turns it down. Almost got that one. That's like, great. You were seventy yards from it, but good job. That's awesome. Um, so I'm excited to get into this whole mess we got going on over here. I spent all weekend with your dad and he was showing me these videos and I'm like, I got to get to know this kid. <laughs> like, and, and quite frankly, Jason, kudos to you, man, because most 12 year olds aren't out jugging for catfish and shooting deer with bows and frog gigging, bow fishing, whatever our little redneck ninja over here is doing. <laughs> um, most kids are sitting inside on video games. So kudos to yeah. you. Um, and so Jude, I'm excited to, uh, to talk some about some of your adventures. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing to, to do in the outdoors? I like bow fishing probably the most. And trapping. I do a lot of trapping. Really? Mm-hmm. How many 12-year-olds would sit here and say, <laughs> I'm a trapper? Not too many. I need you to make me like a squirrel hat. <laughs> I don't want like a coonskin. I want like a, a squirrel hat. Yeah. He could do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know, have you ever watched or followed um, Clay Newcomb? Mm-mm. No. Oh, my no. gosh. You need to. Because um, he, he's right, from right here in Arkansas, in northwest Arkansas, um, part of Meat Eater. Oh, he's the bear guy. Yeah. Oh, bear yeah. I know exactly yeah. who he is. Yeah, we've, mm-hmm. we've yeah. seen some of He's like a little episodes. Clay Newcomb because yeah. Clay's just a little redneck, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I know exactly who he is. Yeah, yeah he's awesome. Yeah. Um, he did a video one time. You know where Morel targets is, don't you? Yes. Out there, Mama. We went by it yesterday. Yep. He did a video one time of riding mules. He rode his mules into Morel targets <laughs> to pick up new targets. Just, <laughs> That's hilarious. Just funny stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what got you? Tell me about your start into bow fishing. What 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 was well, what sparked that? I'm gonna go shoot fish. Probably my dad's stories. He told a lot of stories, and then we he took me when I was really little to Lee Creek. We didn't see anything, but it was just fun to get out there. And and uh, Brazier, his buddy Brazier went with us, and we ended up <laughs> shooting frogs that night and gigging frogs. We yep. didn't get any fish, but <laughs> it got in the blood, didn't it? Yeah, we gigged a lot of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> I love this kid. <laughs> I told your dad, he showed me a video. I said, I just need this kid to come spend a week at my house. <laughs> just a week, so he can just do stupid stuff oh, all week long. He would love your bow range in your backyard, too, man. That's awesome. He can sling them all day long. <laughs> He's got a whole backyard of 3D targets. That's awesome. And a deck, so you're up high like you're in your tree stand. That's awesome. Well, cool. I'll tell you what happened with that. My wife said, I need a new deck. And I'm like, let's build it. So we get the contractor over, and he's a good friend of mine. And I said, listen, dude, do whatever she wants. Whatever color she wants, whatever else she wants, don't care. I said, but in one corner, build me a platform that I can climb up and shoot my bow off of. And he's like, deal. That's what <laughs> said, you can have whatever you want. I said, but I just want a corner platform just somewhere off in the corner that I can climb up and shoot from 12 feet high. So that's Tom. what I got. So you're a brilliant Simple. man, Dylan. Very smart. I said, hey, what's the point of having a deck if it's not purposeful? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so Jude, your dad was telling me a little bit about your first deer last year. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how that all happened. Your first deer with a bow, I should say. So. I've been watching a lot of bow hunting videos. Do you know who Josh Bowmore is? Yeah. I was getting into bow hunting a lot, and I wanted him to get me a bow because I never had one. So he'd been looking. I wanted it. So I needed a left-handed bow because I shoot. I'm right-handed, but my um, right eye, left eye dominant. So I couldn't really shoot a right-handed bow because I have to 
wouldn't just work right. So we were looking for a left-handed bow. We got one. It was a bear. I don't remember exactly what it was. And we took it home and we shot it. And I just couldn't get good groups with it. So we ended up taking that one back. And this guy from um, Infinity Outdoors in Alma, he really helped us out. Instead of a left-handed bow, we got a right-handed bow with no peep sight. And I got pretty good with it. It's called an Elite Ember. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So are you <laughs> shooting? So are you shooting instinctive? No, so I you're... use sights now, just with no peep sight. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So are you? T- so you're looking at your sights with your left eye. Mm-hmm. But I'm shooting right-handed. Huh. Interesting. I've never heard of that. But the the guy that was helping us, he has the same condition, and that's how he shoots. Now, you're not only, from what you were explaining, you're not only left eye dominant. You can't see out of your right eye. No, I can't see anything out of my right eye. Well, you can see like 15 feet. Barely. Barely. So you have to shoot. Mm-hmm. So what, because at first when you started talking, I'm like, well, I'm left eye dominant, but I grew up, you know, back then you didn't know or test your eye dominancy and figure out which right. way to shoot. Mm-hmm. So I just started shooting left hand or right handed and I just had to close my, my left eye. So I have to shoot with my left eye closed. Because my left eye will just take over, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Um, now, I know from a whole lot of people telling me, I would shoot a lot better if I were to switch to left-handed because your eye dominancy mm-hmm. is far more important. And we had that conversation mm-hmm. with Jared. Um, it's just intimidating. Yeah. I mean, to think about that, it's yeah. just intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Um, mainly because I am like an infant child with his hand. Um, so, be hard, for sure. Yeah. It, it It's tough. My dad, uh, when he was an adult, he he was actually chasing one of his chickens down that got out. Yeah. And he's running, and, and he grabs one chicken, and he's trying to catch another one to put them up so they don't get eaten. And there was a, a piece of wire. He didn't see it, so he hits the wire, trips, falls through the air, lands on his shoulder because he's trying not to crush the chicken, breaks his shoulder. And it was right at hunting season. And oh. so he was devastated. So he made himself shoot left-handed shotgun rifle everything he had to shoot left-handed and he said at first it was really awkward but it slowed him down he said he was actually a much better shot even even on birds even on quail yeah because he slowed down took a little half second to a second longer to pull the trigger well that's exactly like jared's story um you know because when you when you have to learn how to reshoot you you now have to think about everything. You know, it's not, I'm going to draw my bow and shoot it. Mm-hmm. It's you, you literally have to think about your hand placement on the grip. You have to think about, you know, if it's a recurve, your hook, or if it's a, you know, your compound, your, your release, you got to think about everything. Right. And when doing that, like you just recreate that shot process and you're going to shoot way better. Yeah. Now I'm not saying everybody needs to go switch to left hand. That's not the point of that, but, um, I did, I do find it interesting mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Yeah, it is because you'll see. I've seen a lot of kids after I became aware of it with their oldest son. He, he has the same condition as Eli, and I didn't switch him over. I didn't realize what was going on, but I would notice he would be trying to shoot a right-handed gun, but he would lean his head over, and he was looking with his left eye. Hmm. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you need to you know, use your right eye. Well, we didn't know what was going on until we finally went to a, a pediatric eye doctor, after the school evaluated him, the school nurse said, you need to get him to the eye doctor. So that's when... What are you she, doing as parents? Yeah, 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 yeah we're a loser practice. So she had a bunch of boys, and she said, look, if... And they were out, outdoorsy, you know, family. She said, if you'll, if you'll teach him to shoot left-handed, he'll be way better off. So he had to make the, the change at probably 13, which is a lot harder yeah. to, to learn it then. Uh, you know, it's like you're talking about. So, so Eli now he shoots left-handed. He doesn't even, it's not even a question. He just does it. Yeah. Um, but for Jude, because I knew when I found out he had the same condition, uh, we started him with, as soon as I got him a little rifle with a scope, uh, we, we put him on the left-handed, you know, track. Right. And so it became a lot more natural for him, just easier, you know, yeah, at, for at, sure. at a young age, he picked it up really fast. So the bows have been a little bit different, yeah. Uh, but he he does shoot instinctive on bow fishing, so you don't even, yeah. You know that that helps a lot. And <laughs> there's an old bow hunter, Dan Fitzgerald, and he also has that condition. I don't know if it's the same one, but he 
I don't think he can see out of his right eye, but he shoots instinctive compound right-handed uh, and uses his left eye purely for that. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home and try it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a good enough shot, period, a, much less to try something yeah, Well, me neither. <laughs> um, so you shot a deer last year with that bow, mm-hmm. but it didn't work out. It didn't work out. So we're... It was getting pretty dark. It was real hard to see. So we just decided to, we had a group of does coming in. We weren't going to shoot a doe at first, but I just wanted to shoot something. You just wanted to kill something. Yeah, I just wanted to kill something. He's a trigger man, dude. He's a trigger man. He's He's not a hunter. No, he's a killer. He's a pure killer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. That's how I am. My dad, my dad's biggest thing is, hey, when are you going to kill a big one? I say, when, well, when the little ones stop coming out first, that's when I'll kill a big one. Hey, better eat. (laughs) Yeah. Better eat tender. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) So when I, we got up there, and it was getting dark, so I just decided to shoot one. And when I drew back, they kind of spooked a little bit. And then one, it was facing, it was quartering to us a little bit. And so I stood, I, dropped, I drew back, and I shot it, and we heard the hit, but we weren't exactly sure where I hit it. And then the deer took off. But it stood, it went about 40 yards, and then stood there in the field for like 10 minutes. And the other deer kept on moving, but that one just stood there, the one that I shot. So we figured it was just going to fall over, but it never did, and eventually just walked off. So we were thinking is when when I shot it, we're thinking it just kind of barely went in and then hit the shoulder blade because yeah. we found the arrow right where it hit. And there was just that much blood and a little hair. So walk me through that. That what 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 weight is he at at this point? Were we 42. pulling 40, mm-hmm. 42 pounds? 42 pounds. Well, okay. How heavy was the arrow? I don't remember. Let's see. We were shooting. The guy set us up with the with the lightest arrow that he would recommend, like the minimum mm-hmm. weight, and I can't remember. No, you go heaviest. I can't remember. Heavier, not lighter. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Shooting 42 pounds, if you hit him in the shoulder, you're probably never going to blow through it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But just here's the simplest way of thinking about this. I'm going to either, I'm going to throw a golf ball at you. I'm going <laughs> to throw it 100 mile an hour. Or I'm gonna throw a bowling ball and throw it fifty. Which one do you want? Which one do you want to get hit with? Golf ball. Golf ball. Yeah. 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 Because a bowling ball is gonna do a whole lot of damage mm-hmm. at fifty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Way more than a golf ball at hundred. Yeah. Um. So with a heavier arrow, you can punch. And that's what I learned that the hard way because I got Chrissy set up. Mm-hmm. She's shooting forty-seven pounds. She punches through a doe and and she gets maybe six inches of penetration. I'm like, man. I mean, she's shooting forty-seven pounds. You should have. You should have gotten further than that. And so I call a couple of buddies and they're like, well, what's she shoot? Like, you know, I talk, walk through the setup and like, yeah, dude, increase that up. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately moved to a brass insert, which took it from, you know, 15 grains out front to 50 grains. And I increased her from 100 to 150 grains broadhead. So she went from shooting like 390 to shooting like 470 or something like that. Wow. Somewhere in there. And then the next two does she shot just punched right through them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there you go. Wow. So, yeah. Increase the arrow weight. Um, there's some there's some science behind it, but um, Fred Bear said for every feet per second, shoot t- uh, ten grain arrow. Mm. So if you're shooting wow. forty seven pounds, not feet per second, for every pound, shoot ten grain of arrow. So if you're shooting okay. forty two pounds, shoot a four hundred twenty grain arrow. Wow. Um, now there, like I said, that was way back in the yeah, day, yeah. you know, before they knew FOC and all that stuff mm. on the arrows. So, um, but that's still a pretty good rule. To, yeah. Something to live by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage that to increase the arrow weight. Well, with Chrissy, what kind of broadheads were you using? Um, at first, she was shooting just a, a three-blade broadhead. Then I moved her to a, a cutthroat single-bevel broadhead um, to help with penetration. Mm, okay. So I think that was part of our problem, too, that day. Well, we had an was expandable. The, yeah, we tried an expandable, mm-hmm. and I think that, that hurt us a lot, too. I did tell you about my dad's expandable incident, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you need to tell that to Jude though. He hasn't heard it. So, I was in college and I worked at a bow shop. Mm-hmm. So I thought I knew everything. You know, I worked at a bow shop. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, Rage had just come out with a new broadhead, and um, I was like, "Oh, these are incredible. These are the greatest thing ever made." <laughs> and I had punched through a couple deer with them, and I'm like, "Man, the holes these create, dude. I'm I'm leaving craters in these deer." And I'm like, "This is awesome." And so I come back home and I actually shoot a, a pretty nice buck the day I get home. And um, so I, I said, dad, dude, listen, um, it was still early season. 
Mm-hmm. I'm talking like 98 degrees early season. So they were still bachelored up. And I'm like, Dad, he, he came in with another big buck, dude. And I think he'll come just stay on the same pattern. And so I'm like, let's go out and see if he'll come back in. You can shoot him. He's like, all right, sounds good. So I said, but hey, Dad, listen, dude, these new broadheads, dude, they're incredible. You need to try one. <laughs> well, he was still shooting like a bow from 87. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until like 2020 that we got him even upgraded to like an 07. Yeah. But anyways, um, he's old school. Because <laughs> he's a dad. Yeah. yeah. I, I resemble that. I'm like, Dad, yeah. dude, you, you, don't, you know you don't have to shoot a bow from 1987, right? Like they make new ones now. <laughs> and um, so anyways... I did get him a, a bear crossbow last year because his shoulders are just too bad. So, anyways, so I'm like, Dad, you got to try this. Well, he's shooting, like I said, an 87 bow. So, they fire off at like 170, 180, maybe 200 feet per second. <laughs> and, dude, sure enough, here comes that big old buck. And it stands right there at like 14 yards. Mm. And I'm like, there you go, Dad. It's oh. your turn. And he hits that, and that broadhead just falls right out. Oh, <laughs> he's, to, he's turned around yelling at me, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> you stupid idiot! I've shot the same three blades for 47 years, and they've always worked. And you have me switch to this stupid little broadhead, and here I am. And I'm like, I, I, I would have killed it. That's what I said. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so, for sure. There wasn't much you could say at that point. <laughs> no, not at all. Um... I actually was just recently talking to a buddy of mine. Um, his name is Joey Zatmary. He's that that guy that I took on the hunt, uh, national champion strongman. Right. And I was just talking yeah. to him about how to build a bigger draw weight. I'm like, man, that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's an issue. Whether they be older, whether they be younger, a woman, how do they build a bigger draw weight? And you've got to add a benefit. You're going to stack on weight quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were mm-hmm. shooting 42 pounds last year, you'd be shooting 52 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you could stack that on quick. But for people who have, you know, Chrissy's not just going to get incredibly a whole lot stronger over the next year because, well, she's a, a grown woman. But with a kid growing, um, you know, they can get stronger quick. Um, so I was just asking, like, what should they focus on in order to be a better bow hunter? Um, so anything upper back, you know, anything. Okay. Anything upper back, um, pull-ups, band pull-aparts, anything to, to, to strengthen that upper back. Um, anything lats, you want to actually focus on really strengthening that lat because what happens is, well, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but that lat is going to stabilize your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So if your lat's not strong, you'll notice when people shoot their shoulder comes up a long ways, well, that's going to create problems down the road. Mm-hmm. And shooting long-term on a short... What I mean by long term is, you know, if you try to shoot 100 arrows in a day, by the time you're done shooting, that shoulder's just roast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also long term is in life. Like, it'll just create problems with that sure. shoulder. Um, so strengthen that lat will stabilize that shoulder and, and hold that, that shoulder down. Um, ultimately, you can draw more weight because that shoulder doesn't come up as much. Right. Um, which I noticed an incredible, like, when I switched to shooting a recurve, I noticed that shoulder, like, I would be like, oh, crap, dude, my shoulder's like at my ear. And, and I really had to focus on pulling that shoulder down. Um, so, I, you know, I, that was a strong emphasis to me for the first two years. I was trying to keep that shoulder down. So that's what I would highly encourage you to, to focus on yeah, to help build that, that bigger draw weight. Right. Yeah. The recurves, mm-hmm. definitely, it's, when you start shooting them, it's a lot different. So my dad, as I was a kid, he had a bare recurve yeah. and still has it. And so that kind of got me hooked uh, you know, early on, but I remember the difference when I got my first compound because I used to shoot his old bear recurve in the yard all the time. And then it was a, it was totally different, you know, yeah. when you switch over to the compound, I'm like, Oh wow. But I was glad I got to start on that recurve, you know, so when are you going to go back for that reason? Well, when are you going to be a man? Jason? This is pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> this is pretty cool though. So Joy's, uh, my wife's grandfather was a huge, huge bear hunter. And he was a recurve man. I mean, he had some compounds too. And someday you come over to the house, I'll show you some of his old bear compounds that are absolutely, uh, I mean, they're, I don't even, they're probably a collector's item. You would know. I don't know. We just, I wouldn't know. We have them, we have them uh, saved back, but he was a bear man. And I have three of his Kodiak recurves. Uh, Yes. Kodiak grizzly recurves, right? Is that, that what it's called? The Kodiak grizzly? Uh, they, 
Yes and no. Or Kodiak. So Kodiak. I looked um, at it. They might have done a Kodiak Grizzly. Yeah, I, I looked at it, but it was the, it has the Kodiak on it. He's got three different draw weights. So talk about being a man. So I go out and try to shoot those. And yeah, that's a lot different. He had some uh, pretty high poundage. So after being shooting the compound for so long and then going back to that. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about with your shoulder and wanting to come up. So I'd kind of forgotten about that. Yeah. And I was reminded that those bows are going to the boys. He actually mm-hmm. has four recurves. So each That's of my sons awesome. and Papal, that was something he told us. He said, I want you to give these to your boys. So some of those can be worth a crazy amount of I, money. I've mm-hmm. got them in my closet up, up, uh, on a shelf right now. So I don't know all of the history, but I know, I've just heard a lot of collectors talk, and I guess like the Bear Factory when it moved, like if they have the old stamp on them before the factory moved, it's like, holy crap, the Holy Grail, thousands of dollars. I mean, just crazy, you know, mm-hmm. just like collecting anything. Yeah. Um, but I've just been told that some of those bows, you know, you might have one they're like, yeah, it's worth ten bucks. Yeah. But this one's worth, you know, ten grand. Yeah. You'll, mean, you'll have to come over and check them out. Mm-hmm. I know they're not nearly as cool as your bows because I got to see your no, bows those over are the way weekend. cooler. You have a you have an awesome collection, so but yeah, it's been cool because even starting with my dad, bear has been something that we've always that's you cool. know loved to that love cool. to shoot. So, um, when did you when did you know? And I'll get to him in a second. When did you know? Like, at what point were you like, dude? I've got a redneck son here. <laughs> like he's ready to party. I would say. When I brought the possum in the house. Yeah, well, I'd say before the <laughs> possum. I'd say before the possum. Uh, I would say really, I kind of knew he was he was gonna be a you know a different different breed, <laughs> probably by eight years old when you know he would spend obsessive amount of times uh, amount of time in the woods shooting squirrels. You know, passionate squirrel hunter here. Okay, passionate squirrel hunter. Do you eat so, squirrels? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, he he yeah. you. Take you through the process of, of what you do so, uh, from, from wait, cleaning to the pan. So when we shoot them, uh, I, I, I kill a lot of squirrels uh, during school, after school. During school? No, after, like school. after school. Oh, we no. That's school. how you know. I didn't, I didn't after know school. After school. So when I get home, I'll go out and I'll squirrel hunt. I'll probably kill two a week. And when I shoot them to skin them, you just make a slit in their back and then you pull them apart, kind of mm-hmm. like a rabbit. How I skin a rabbit anyways. And we'll put them in the freezer, and then to cook them, we'll slice them up, and then we'll rub them, we'll roll them in the special, it's like seasoned flours. You use it for frying fish, but we do it for our squirrels too. So we'll put them in milk and eggs and put them in the batter, and then just fry them up with olive oil. Now, what's a little technique you learned from Kendall Gray, though? You got to boil them before you eat them, so they'll be tender. Because if you don't boil them, they're so tough, like leather. So boil them and then fry them? Mm Mm-hmm. Boil them and then fry them. Yes. So if you get a young squirrel, you don't have to boil them. But if you get an old squirrel, if you try to eat it, if you just fry it, it's like you're going to be chewing on your belt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a piece of leather. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. They're tough. Mm -hmm. So I I never thought I'd be sitting here getting squirrel cooking tips from a 12 year old. (laughs) Yeah. My life is complete. Yeah. (laughs) I've made it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a sight to behold when he's in the kitchen on a Sunday night and, uh, He's taking the whole thing through the process, uh, you know, start to finish. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And sometimes he gets. And his... he tans you tan your own hides, right? Yeah, we tan our own squirrel hides. Yeah, not we. You as a twelve year old do. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I helped him on the first one, and then now he's he's got it. So we have random squirrel hides throughout the house because his dog will pull them off the wall in his room, <laughs> and and uh, they, you know, so randomly you'll just find a squirrel hide laying in the floor. So my poor wife, she didn't grow up around hunting. So <laughs> this is all new to her. She's just resigned herself to the fact that it just is what it is at this point. I, uh, dude, I was driving down the road with my brother yesterday and I see a squirrel and I'm like, is that really how big squirrels are in Arkansas? <laughs> you know, cause I've been in Kansas now yeah. for nine years yeah, and they're just like four times as big. Yeah. yeah they're huge. In so I'm like, I need to, I need to just bring him out just to shoot squirrels in my backyard yeah. for about a week. Yeah. Because I hate squirrels. Yeah. I have a vendetta against them. <laughs> but I shoot them with my recurve, so it's a lot harder, so I don't yeah. get to a week. I wish I did. <laughs> but I miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, But no, uh, that's so cool, man. Good for you for being just a little 
proud redneck. <laughs> but but to answer your question, that's when I kind of knew when I saw his passion for squirrel hunting at a young age, I was like, okay, this is a hunter right here. Anybody who this can get fired up about small yeah. game is a redneck. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Well, we're very unsuccessful turkey hunters because we don't know what we're doing, but we were trying to call a turkey in this year in National Forest in Arkansas, and we've got a gobbler answering. He's actually finally making his way towards us. Two squirrels are about 20 yards in front of us, and Jude's <laughs> looking at the squirrels, and he goes, all I can think about are these two squirrels. That's all I can think about are the squirrels. I'm like, well, squirrel season's not open yet, so you can't shoot them. I think if squirrel season was open, he would have just shot them and scared off the turkey. Now. Did you kill a turkey? No, we did. <laughs> he, he got away. He, yeah, yeah, he got away. I thought you killed. I thought no, you went inside because yeah, yeah, Dad yeah. was tired. Yeah, yeah. No, that was <laughs> a different hunt. But yeah, that one. This was on the uh, National Forest in Arkansas. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> so walk me yeah. through because when I heard that story, I'm like, well, I've learned two things. Jude is straight up killer. Like he's yeah. gonna hang out yeah. until he kills something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So so yeah, that was a different hunt, and uh, yeah, we were. We were at, at uh, mom and dad's, and so we were getting eaten up by ticks. So I'm like, I'm going in, and he stays out. That's about turkey hunts. Yeah, <laughs> he stays out and ends up ambushing a couple of toms that came by. Yeah. It was a crazy story. So when I shot it, it's uh, it was super far. So I missed the first shot, then I stood up, and he started running away, and I shot it again. And I shot it, I don't think he was all the way dead. So I set my gun down, take off chasing it. You like to chase stuff, don't you? I, I oh, yeah. And then right before it got up, I just kind of full on tackled him and he was like flopping over and he scratched right under my, there's still like a little scar there. And this is my good eye. So if he would have been like a centimeter up, he would have blinded me. Yeah. Yeah. About, about got taken about what once a good eye to a turkey. Do you believe in arranged marriages? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, good. We'll have a talk later. Oh, absolutely. I'll give you a couple goats or something. No way. You give me goats. Um, no. Uh, like I hear that story and I'm just like, dude. What kind of twelve year old like lasts longer than the dad? Yeah. So either Jason's yeah. just a, a, a yeah. pansy, yeah, or Jude's a stud. Yeah. I mean, literally, we're we're at the grandparents, you know, place so at this cool. point, and I'm getting eaten up by ticks. I mean, we're sitting on the ground. The ticks, I'm I'm just they are crawling all over me. So finally, I'm like, dude, I don't want to get tick fever. You know, I mean, I've had thousands of ticks on me as a kid, but. Didn't really think much about it. Well, yeah. now you hear tick fever, tick fever. So finally, I'm like, dude, I'm running in. Let's just go clean up. We'll put some fresh clothes on, get some spray on, then we'll hunt all day. Yeah. And he's sitting there eating his sausage and, uh, you know, biscuit that that his grandma had made for him. And he's like, I'm not leaving, dude. I'm staying right here. His, <laughs> his ticks are crawling over. So he's eating his breakfast. I'm like, this is crazy, man. There's ticks on yeah. the biscuit. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably. Probably. So. He started to go with me, and he's like, I'm going back out, you know, so he didn't even need me. <laughs> so you just literally walk back out and see your son yeah. with that dirty. Yeah, yeah. I, I go back in, I showered, change clothes, heading back out to the woods, and yeah. So he's- If there's one kid, I could, I, I always make the jokes of being like, you know, well, yesterday we hiked Mount Magazine, and so I was like, you know, these are, mine and my brothers are two boys, they ran way off ahead. I'm like, don't worry if they get lost. Like, uh, hopefully they'll survive, maybe. And, you know, I make the joke of, like, we'll come back and they'll have, like, four dead squirrels and, like, a coon. I'm like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> but if anybody could just go into the wilderness and survive, yeah. it's that one right yeah. there. Yeah. I did yeah. kill a rabbit with a rock the other day. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. He was, I was just walking down my gravel road and there was a rabbit and I picked up a rock and just threw it and killed it. I hit it in the head. <laughs> yeah. So I'm at work and he calls me ecstatic. You know what a dad. killer, dad! You'll never believe what I just did. I said, "What'd you do?" I killed a rabbit with a rock. I'm like, "What?" So you know, I thought he killed. Would have he was as excited as if he got a ten point buck. You know, threw that this threw this rock randomly at the rabbit and just hit it in the head and killed it. Wow. <laughs> um. So cool. Do you guys watch Alone? Oh yeah, yeah. That's his favorite show. So, um, season. I want to say six. Jordan Jonas won it. Oh, wow. Um, and I had the pleasure of having him on the podcast. And so we, we were talking, and uh, he actually he killed a badger on the show, but he killed it with a hatchet because he woke up in the middle of the night, and this badger was taking the, the moose meat that he had killed. Mm. And so he's like, I killed this. this, this. Now he's very like, 
soft-spoken, monotone, just like, yeah, I killed a bat. And so, but when, you know, they bring in the spouse or whatever after they've won, his wife's standing there, and she, he's like, yeah, I killed a moose. And she's like, what? God, that's so cool. He's like, yeah, and I killed a, a badger with a hatchet. <laughs> he's just like, you're you're an animal. <laughs> that's that Jude. Crazy. Jude's just a that wild is, animal. It's crazy. Yeah, badgers are tough, man. I that there's yeah. probably that's probably there's probably one person on the planet that's killed a badger with a hatchet. Yeah, that's Jordan that Jones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's probably only happened one time in history. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, if I could encourage two things, it would be focus on increasing draw weight and then up the arrow weight for sure. Okay. Um. Well, and you know, I, really, that's what brought it into perspective. I'm like, why do people shoot heavy arrows with recurves? They're slower. But everybody focuses on big, heavy broadheads. Like you, nobody shoots a hundred grain broadhead out of the recurve. Mm-hmm. I can shoot a two hundred grain broadhead on my recurve, and that's the normal. You know, one fifty to two hundred. That's pretty normal for. And I'm like, why is it that they focus on heavier arrows for slower bows? Well, you got to hit harder. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to have the punch power. And so I took a deep dive into heavy arrows, and um, well, and I would shoot a micro diameter, uh, a small diameter arrow. Um, which I think everybody in the world should be shooting micro diameters, but, um, and so I take a deep dive into heavy arrows and there's this guy on online, which if you like him, love him or hate him, it's up to you, but, uh, his name's the ranch fairy. And all he does is talk about heavy, high FOC arrows. And so, um, a couple months ago I had him on the show just to dive into heavy arrows. Mm. Um, so I would, I would jump in cause we talk about Chrissy's setup and how it needs to be increased and. How although she's shooting forty seven pounds and really probably drawling is probably about the same too, um, mm-hmm. and so even though she's shooting that, she needs to increase it and and be shooting four fifty at least. So um, it'd probably be a good episode to listen to. Yeah, but definitely um, check it out. You guys both both of you drew for Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes, we're super pumped about that. Mm-hmm. And we we always go in with my dad, my brother, my nephew, and then and then me and the boys. This year, unfortunately, my dad, brother, and nephew did not draw, which has never happened before. Unfortunately for them, doesn't bother you at all. I mean, well, yeah, right. (laughs) You're going to kill the deer. (laughs) More deer for you. So I don't know if, you know, if that, if we're having just that many more hunters in Kansas. Of course, we're not resident. So we're very privileged to be able to put in for this. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, when I first started putting in for the the non resident draw, it was hard to get drawn. That was back in, I believe, 96, maybe when they opened that up, 95, uh, to non-residents. We yeah. bird hunted in Kansas for years. And then through the years, it was hard to get drawn. Then all of a sudden, they opened it up. So there was a lot more tags available for non-residents. But even at that, there were years you could still call and get an, an over-the-counter over the leftover. It, the leftover from the draw. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. No, there's that no does, leftovers. That does not happen. So last year. Out of the eight of us that go, uh, Matthew did not, or nine of us, sorry, Matthew didn't get drawn. That's my third son. He did not draw for a tag. And so I called just to make sure, and they're like, nope, there's no, there's no tags left. So this year, three of us did not draw. So um, there's a tag, there's a tag drawing agency. It's called Worldwide Trophy Adventures. And, um, I had a conversation with them not too long ago about Kansas and they were like, it's pretty much now 50, 50, like it, it's going to take you two years to get drawn. Mm. Um, so every other year you should draw Kansas. And I'm like, that makes that tracks based off of what I've heard from people. Um, so I've just heard, yeah, there's more people applying and less tags. Yeah. They reduced the tag numbers too. Um, so there's more people applying and less tags. Um, right. so it just gets harder, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was reading an article the other day about the reduction of tags this year in several states due to, you know, drought or yeah. chronic wasting. So yes, you're right. Kansas did have a, a reduction in their yeah. their their tags. Now, do you guys do that bows or rifles? We use we use rifles. Yep. Yeah. Now my brother he he put in for a bow tag a couple of years ago, but I think he missed that camaraderie. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and it's not that we're opposed to going with a bow. It's just as you know, that generally takes more time. Yeah. So for us, we we hit. We just have a few days that we can all. So do you do go. this public ground or, or private land? We're we're on private, private land. We've we've got some friends that are Mennonite farmers, and thirty one years ago, 
no, 32 years ago. I, I just graduated high school and I'm getting older. <laughs> no, <laughs> no comments from you young guys. And never would have guessed we, it, bro. We heard there was a lot of <laughs> looks walk. like a little Vin Diesel over yeah, here. Right. <laughs> uh, we just heard, you know, Kansas had a lot of walking areas. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really great program, you know, that the Wild Up Department did where I don't know exactly all the ins and outs, but they would partner with the farmers, lease some of that land up, and and it would just be open for hunting. Yeah. And you could get the little atlas. I don't know if they still put those out or if it's all online now, but you can look at all the areas that are walk-in, walk-in areas. So we were hunting this particular area that had a lot of walk-in. Uh, some friends of ours had told us it was a good pheasant uh, hunting place. So anyway, we're just driving around looking at the country, just loving being there. We love Kansas. And there was a farmhouse with three roosters in the front yard. And dad said, well, that looks like a great place to hunt. Let's go pull in and talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the lady answered the door and her, she said, well, my husband's not home. Come back later. So we, we stopped back later and my dad and him struck up a conversation. And since that time, they've become literally uh, best friends. That's so cool. And so when we hunt now, our hunting party's gotten a little bigger now that my brother and I've had kids. But we started out, it, my mom would go pheasant hunting with us and my dad and brother. Uh, and we would stay with them. Yeah. They have a full basement in their house. Of course, that's a great idea. If, as, as you know, if yeah. you live in Kansas, you better have a basement. You don't, have, you don't live in Kansas and not have a basement. No, you need a basement. So we would stay in their basement and it was phenomenal and and of course i'm an obsessive whitetail hunter so as we would be out pheasant hunting on their farm i'm finding these ginormous sheds you know and i'm like okay we don't (laughs) have sheds like this in oklahoma you know where i grew up and uh i would i would talk to the farmers and they were just like oh yeah they're a nuisance you know they eat all our crops and (laughs) so when they when they opened up for non-resident draw i asked my friends i'm like hey would you be opposed to us deer hunting? And they're like, no, please do. So <laughs> kill them all. <laughs> so we're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. So uh, that, that started our deer hunting in, in Kansas. Well, listen, and- I, I'll take the fall. Like I, I'll be your fall guy. If there's ever a year where you're like, I didn't get drawn, I'll make sure and go kill some. Keep the population you. down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, You'll you know, suffer through as it. As much as it'll stink, I'll do yeah. that for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> That's a huge sacrifice for yeah. you. Man. It'll be my cross to bear. Thank, for sure, yeah. thank you for being willing to do um, that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just what I do. Um, Jude, how old were you when you killed your first deer? Seven. That was quick. You mm. practiced. Quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, duck. Duck. Buck or doe? Uh, buck. Nice. I've never killed a doe. I've killed nine bucks in their does. Why not? They're just as fun to kill. No, I just never got around to shooting them. Well, I that's tried. What, that's what you do in the early season. Mm-hmm. Well, we tried last year <laughs> with your bow. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. tried. So you have shot a doe. He shot a doe. Shot shot a, yeah, he shot a doe. And I thought I shot a doe, but it was a button buck. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, with, with, that was with my friend Brazier. I was about your age when I shot a... I, uh, speaking of creepy old men, my dad's looking through that window. Um, I was in southern Arkansas. I mean, down south. Like, you shoot a deer, it might be in Louisiana when you find it. Um, And so I shoot this, my first ever doe, I shoot it, and I'm with my dad, and it's so exciting. And and I think I was probably 11. Um, And then my dad had to come back. That was on a Saturday. He had to come back so he could preach. But we were down there with one of his deacons, so he's like, you you can stay here and hunt with with Steve. And I'm like, cool. And So I shoot another one that night, and. And uh, I'm on the phone with Dad. I'm like, Dad, I shot another one, dude. Two in a day. This is so cool. And uh, I didn't know. Like, I'm like, Dad, dude, I shot a doe. Dude, it has nuts. This doe has nuts. And he's like, well, son, that, that would be a young buck. It's a button buck. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, dude, it weighs 35 pounds. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so, Jude, if you could pick any animal in the world, like if if I were to say right now I'm taking you on any hunt you want, what would it be? Probably elk. I want to kill an elk. I'm uh, I'm glad you didn't say squirrels. Yeah, I was afraid he was going to. <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'm like, surprised well, he didn't say squirrel. Listen here, bud. Like we got we got to talk about the way money works and when somebody's buying you a free hunt. Um, elk, huh? Mm-hmm. Have yep. you ever seen elk in the wild? Like have never, you ever never seen elk in the wild. 
Man. Guys, if you've been around hunting at all, you've probably heard of a little company called Muddy. I have learned that if it says Muddy on it, I can trust it. From tree stands, ground blinds, trail cameras, to all the accessories. If it says Muddy, it's a name I can trust. I love their tree stands. I love their ground blinds. I love their trail cameras. The new Merge and their Morph cellular trail cameras. They're phenomenal, especially when you pair them up with a solar panel and they last forever. Guys, I would encourage you to check out Muddy. Uh, for all your tree stands, ground blinds, all the accessories, bow hangers, uh, harnesses, everything tree stands or ground blinds or accessories related. If it says muddy, I know that I can trust it. Guys, I know the new Rage. The new Rage is these super light tree stands that cost like 400 bucks. And I'm like, well, <laughs> why would I spend 400 bucks on one when I can spend 100 and get four tree stands um, that are all going to perform? They're all going to be safe. They're all going to be comfortable. Guys, muddy is the gold standard, in my opinion, uh, for what a tree stand and a ground blind and trail cameras should offer you. So guys, go check them out. They are phenomenal. And I promise you, if you're shopping at a Dick's Academy, Bass Pro, Cabela's, anywhere, if it says Muddy, I promise you it's a name you can trust. So yeah, man, just to get a touch, just to get a taste of the elk, I would highly encourage you to go to uh, the Wichita Mountains in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy cool place with lots of mountains and it's a it's a refugee, so they like yeah. they draw very very few tags yeah. every mm -hmm. year. But um, you can go and camp and hike and. Uh, but I went when I was probably fourteen or fifteen. Um, when Adam was still in Oklahoma, they would take a men's group out there, and to elk call. And so we camped and had fun, but we went out and elk called, and just to have these bulls coming in, ripping off right in mm -hmm. front of you. You're not mm -hmm. hunting, you don't have any weapons, yeah. but just to have them right there, it's oh. like, dude, it's it's incredible. That's awesome. Um, so That's I would so definitely cool. encourage that. It's it's a fun we, time. My my dad and I have been putting in for that hunt and never have gotten drawn. But oh I'm yeah, holding on, holding out for hope. Yeah, it's but, it takes a long time for most to get drawn. Yeah, my cousin, um, he lives in Guthrie. I've told mm -hmm. you about. That's who I mm -hmm. stayed with the other yeah. night when I was going to come to your church. Well, he has a buddy that has some private land, and you know, if there's an elk season now in Oklahoma when those elk come off the refuge yeah. and get onto the private land. So he was able to take his son, who's a year younger than Jude, and he called in a big elk and shot it with this bow. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> in Oklahoma, I'm like, dude, who gets to do this? I actually had a guy, um, an acquaintance of mine, not a friend, but um, I guess some elk come from Colorado and made it to his ground in Kansas and, and uh, so he's like getting pictures of this elk, and he's like, "Crap, dude, this is kind of regular on my place." And so, sure enough, he comes around and pl he plugs it with an arrow, dude, <laughs> in the middle of Kansas. Unreal, like, almost smack dab in the center of Kansas, but he kills a giant bull. That's crazy. In Kansas, like <laughs> how just... lucky is that, mm -hmm. man? We had a what was it that that granddad had on uh, granddad's neighbor had on his trail camera. Oh, was it an axis axis deer axis deer yeah yeah those are cool. uh, my mm -hmm. neighbor i went to school with him but he he had a uh axis coming in on his trail cam that's mm -hmm. pretty cool so we're at in what? in prior okay. oklahoma yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know what happened i don't know if that's legal to shoot we we really didn't know if that was legal or not shoot it and ask questions yeah, later. you know <laughs> i'm like hey man that, that's not game. something you see every day in oklahoma if, <laughs> if there's i don't I don't want to give legal advice, but I, I believe that if there's no season, then... I would think it would be legal. I think it would yeah. be, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Especially since, like, down in Texas, it's just, like, kill them all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I actually had an axis hunt booked. Like, I was ready to go, ready to kill them. And um, my wife had to have surgery, so I'm like, I'm sitting here, and it, it's embarrassing how long it took me to decide if I was going to go on the axis hunt or be with my wife for <laughs> surgery, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I was with her. You're still I, married, so you chose wisely. I did. Um, <laughs> so now I've got it rescheduled for this summer. There you so go. Hopefully I can go out and kill one. Yeah, yeah. those are cool animals. Yeah, they're so, it's, it's fun to watch them too because, not like an elk, but they roar. Like oh, yeah. It's like a, gra a, yeah. like a guttural, like, growl, yeah. roar <laughs> um, in the rut. And so it's it's cool, man. It is I'm amazing. Ready to them. Yeah, you're going to love it. Yeah. And, and they... From what I understand, my cousin, same cousin I was telling you about that shot the elk, he, he's from Texas. His parents live in Texas, and they have access that come through their place all the time. Yeah. And so from what I understand, uh, they can shed their antlers two different times of the year. 
Mm-hmm. So some will have antlers while some are in velvet. Have you ever heard that? No. Yeah, didn't know that. And and I think unless I'm getting my wires crossed, I think that's what he told me. So very cool. unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is have you heard that? Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so you might you know for you guys out there that are axis hunters, you may be laughing at me right now, but I think that's what he told me. That's cool. I mean, either way, they're cool. But you're animals. gonna mm-hmm. love it, dude. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have Jude tan the hide one time. Oh, <laughs> my cousin shot one with a bow, and he's got the hide tan in his office. It's beautiful. Uh, beautiful a lot of hide. people. I've seen a lot of people make like couch pillows, like throw oh, pillows nice. at them mm-hmm. because you know they have those beautiful spots. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Jude, mm-hmm. before I ask you this question, I have to apologize to a friend of mine. Uh. So Darren, if you're listening to this episode, I'm sorry. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going bow fishing with Jude, not you. Um. I'll still come with you. Just don't get your feelings hurt. Uh, so, Jude, you're taking me out bow fishing on Friday. Mm-hmm. What do I need to know? Give me the rundown. Like, give me the the bow fishing 101. This is what you need to know before we go. You need to aim low when you see one. Yeah. So, it's like you don't use sights at all. It's just right. the sea, And you got to shoot really fast. You can't, like, aim down the sights and then shoot. So, they'll just come up to the water for, like, 10 seconds at the most. And they're going to be pretty close. The farthest we shoot is, like, five yards. So you just got to pull up, shoot really fast, and then almost just pull and let go and aim a little low. That's it. That's it. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about cottonmouths? You want to talk about that? There's, they're everywhere. There's a ton of cottonmouths. Kill them all. Kill them all. Yep. Mm-hmm. We saw one. We saw two last night. Yeah. One guy shot one with a 22. Hmm. I like cottonmouths. Yeah. I'm not afraid of snakes. Yeah. We aren't either. My, my dad got struck by a cottonmouth. Did he tell you that? No. He was out working in the garden, and when I say struck, it didn't bite him, but it, it mm-hmm. struck his hand. Wow. So he jerked his hand out, and if you know, by doing that, he slung it out into the yard, and like so he started checking to make sure he didn't get bite, but it did strike his hand. Wow. Um, and he went out and killed it that, in the yard. That's too close for comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not scared of snakes. However, like we hunt down in south, south, south Texas. And when you're walking in the dark and you hear, oh yeah, that's a little the brown snakes are different. When you can't see them, breed. Mm-hmm. when you can, when you know they know you're there, but you don't know where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, we killed last the last time we went. We probably killed, we killed four that were probably over six foot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they're they're brutal. You don't want to get bit by one no. of them. No. Well, they said it was a minimum. They said if you get bit, the outfitter said if you get bit down here, it's a minimum of forty thousand dollars just to keep you alive. Oh wow. That's crazy. Because with how far we are, they're going to have to air vac you. Oh. They'll have to fly in and get you. And I guess the antivenom for a rattlesnake is really expensive in and of itself. Wow. So, like, just to keep you alive, it's going to cost you 40 grand. I had no idea. Yeah. When We need to get some videos of bow fishing and post them on my, uh, my I got an outdoor channel on YouTube. Jude Outdoors. That's right. Yeah. And so I took a possum in my house a few years ago, and we posted it on the channel, and it just blew up. It has 10 million views right now. That's awesome. And then one I got, million of those are me, just so you know. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. And then one <laughs> Thanks, of them. Steve. So I, there's a possum, and he like he was giving me a purple nurple, and we posted it, and it it's, it has two hundred thousand views. <laughs> Guys, if you don't follow Jude on YouTube, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> like, he's easily the best. Um, well, cool, man. Mm-hmm. I uh, I'm excited to shoot some fish in the face. Yeah. And uh, try to kill him dead. Dude, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a great time. I'm ready. We are going to have a great time. Yeah. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. I'm super ready. And I killed two last night. I think night. my dad wants to show you a gift. Oh. Oh, wow. He wants to. So, for those of you bright. for those of you who are listening, I know I told, um, awesome. I talked with Chuck Dude, on the most recent awesome. episode, uh, but this is the bear grizzly that, that I gifted my father and had Chuck sign it before I, wow. I gave it to him. So, I mean. You're never even going to be able to use this now. You're just mm-hmm. going to keep it in a glass case. He's telling me to use it. But wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Randall, of course, you and I have talked about Chuck Adams for a long time. We're mm-hmm. diehard fans. And when we were kids, he was like the he was the hero. He I still mean, is. Yeah, he still is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when, when we were kids, if you talked about bow hunting, it was Chuck Adams. That's and, all it was. I mean, you and I wore green hats. We've always hunted in green hats because of Chuck. So. I'm so proud of you that, and happy for you that Dumb. you have that. That's treasure. So mm-hmm. unreal. Uh, we had the pleasure. Me and Aaron were both there, but at the Pope and Young Awards this year, it was like. And next up, we've got Chuck Adams, and he went around the stage, and like, and next up, we've got Chuck Adams, and he's kind of right back around the stage, and 
And now with a new world record, we've got Chuck Adams, and he's kind of right back around the <laughs> stage amazing. again. He killed three new world records in two years. That is That's crazy. insane. So, yeah. so your dad calls me. I don't world know. records. I didn't and, yeah, world record. Oh, yeah. Your dad calls me <clears throat> like just giddy. Like I've never it, seen him act like a twelve-year-old girl we, until Chuck. We talked about this the other day. So your dad calls me giddy, like a junior high girl, and I'm like, "What in the world is is Randall so fired up about?" And then he begins <laughs> to tell me this story about Chuck killing three world records, the Sitka Blacktail, on the same hunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so then I'm giddy, like a junior high girl. We're both giddy, you know. <laughs> so then they're and, both. I mean, just sit on the phone giggling. I think we both went and put on green sock caps. <laughs> Just to sit there, right and there. bask yeah, in the glory. To, just yeah. to think about Chuck and be happy for him. That's a, that's incredible. No, I remember uh, I was sitting on my parents' couch one time, and Chuck called me. And so I'm like, I'm going to answer this on speaker. Wow. And so I turned it on speaker. I'm like, hello. And uh, he started talking, and Dad was flipping through the channel, and he just goes. <laughs> just stopped and wow. turned. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, hey, Chuck, do you, like, my dad, he's like a, like a 12 year old girl is to Taylor Swift. That's how he is to you. Yeah. I said, so do you mind just saying hi to my dad? Yeah. And somebody he said, hi to my dad. <laughs> and my dad, he said, dude, I used to want to be you. Yeah. He said, I used to want to be just like you. I can't believe you're friends with Chuck Adams. That's dude. That crazy. blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And, then, my and mind. then he said, I used to want to be just like you. And then I figured out, man, you hunt way too hard. I don't want to be anything oh. like you. <laughs> Any man that will stay 30 days in a oh tent in Alaska and, you know, weather storms like he did. That's, yeah, that's next level. Insane. That's next level. So, Jude, what is your uh, what's your one favorite? And we'll wrap up with this. What's your one favorite redneck adventure story that you've got for yeah, me? Yeah, I was you? thinking about this. Um, I really don't know. So the catfish was yes, we caught a catfish yesterday. It was thirty six pounds. Shit, it, Chris, that's was more than you. It was pretty yeah. wild. So we were setting jugs, me and my friend Brazier, and we tossed them out. And we came, we went, and we were swimming around in the pond. And then we came back, and our jug was on the complete other side of the pond. But it wasn't moving. It was just sitting there. So we just swam out there to check it. And Brazier did, did pulls it up. Did you have a up. canoe you could have taken? We could have, but we just figured we might as well swim. There you go. So when Brazier <laughs> picked it up, this cat, this gigantic catfish bigger than us starts flopping around going crazy. So he lets it go. And then we take off. My mom runs home. Or my mom came down here with a net so we could net it. And... So she comes back with a net. We get the net. We go in. We wrestle this catfish. And eventually, we get it down in this net. And then we pull it up to the bank. And we come back. We're covered in leeches. <laughs> so then you have bait. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm coming back from your place. Yeah. I, I get this phone call from Jude, like, you know, frantic, like ecstatic and out of breath, telling me the story. So. I don't even pull in the house. I drive straight out to the pond to pull up to Joy is videoing, and the boys are coming out of the water with this giant fish. And so we're trying to get the hook out of its mouth. And then all of a sudden, I don't know which boy it was, maybe Brazier, like, mm-hmm. what's this on my leg? And we look, and I mean, at least 30 leeches. Mm-hmm. On their legs, each each boy, literally covered in them. Another good story is when my boot got attacked by a coon. So I was trying to rope this coon to get it out of a trap. I didn't have a catch pole, which is like, hey, yeah. you used to get him out of a dog-proof trap. So I was using a lasso, and I was by myself. So I go, and I, la- I lasso this coon, but then he gets out of it. So I just decide I'm just going to try to go get him. So Have you ever been bit? Do you have rabies? No. Okay. Well, so I walked up there and I went to step on this trap and this coon attacks my leg and it made a big hole in my new boot, my brand new boots that I got for Christmas. Yeah, we've got mm-hmm. it on video. He he self videoed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's on video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, well, he didn't realize that it actually penetrated the boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of days later, we were out and he was he we were in the water and he goes, "Man, my boot's leaking." I'm like, "Wait a minute." Is that the one that the coon bit your foot? And he goes, yeah, it is. So he bit a hole in his brand new boots. My lasso technique did work eventually. So I lassoed it and then I pulled the lasso tight. Then I walked off and tied the lasso to a tree. So he was just kind of like stiff because the lasso is tied to a tree. And then I walked up and I stepped on it and then he took off with my lasso. But I got it back. 
Never stop being you, dude. <laughs> That's all I can say. This kid's a dream come yeah. true. I mean, if I've ever... So, for most dads, it's like... It's almost like, I gotta find something... Because I'm still... I mean, Tucker's four, so I'm still like, oh, let's try fishing, you know, and I have yeah. to take him out fishing. Yeah. Now it seems like he's getting you into more stuff than oh. you get him in. Oh, they drag me everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I'm like, last night we were we were bow fishing, and I'm like, boys, I'm tired. Let's go to the house. Oh, let's stay a little longer. <laughs> so Just how long did they keep you out? Uh, we Not we got long. home. We quit early. Yeah, we, were, we quit early. Tonight. We were loading the boat by midnight. We got there. Oh, okay. we, we got there but early. Though. They had they had motivation to be here this morning, so this saved me. Okay. <laughs> This saved me. Be it. The, the 7.30 a.m. podcast is the only reason that I got him off the water that early. Dude, I made a stupid mistake. We went out uh, thermal coyote hunting, which that's our next oh, adventure. Wow. I'm bringing you to That'd that. That'd be awesome. Um, we went out thermal coyote hunting, and I, I had something to do bright and early the next morning. And so I told my wife, I'm like, Wait, we're gonna, I'll be done by midnight. And it was a Wednesday night, so I couldn't get out there till like 9.30 because I had to get home from church, put the kids to bed, you know? Yeah. So we don't get out there till like 9.30. I meet with the guys at 9.30. We get out hunting at like 10. And I'm like, we had all kind of decided, like, we'll call it quits about midnight. And about 3.30 a.m., we're still shooting dogs. And we're like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, crap, I'm not even going to get to go to bed. Uh, but, dude, when, once you get killing, like, I mean, you got to keep killing. That doesn't happen every no. day. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't I, uh, quit. I shot a giant, I shot a 32-pound dog oh my God. at about 3 a.m. Wow. And so I texted Chrissy a picture. Um, and then after I sent it, I'm like, dang it. Yeah. I could have lied to her and told her I was home early. <laughs> yeah. And now she knows I was still hunting at 3 a.m. Yeah. You're, you're, you're busted now. <laughs> so buddy. the next morning she like wakes me up and, and, uh, and I, I like roll out of bed exhausted. And she's like, I know you stayed out too late. You texted me at 3 a.m. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. whatever. It was you're, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see the dog I shot. <laughs> I had it. That, that thing is huge. I thought it was a wolf at first. I wish I would have had it tanned by my boy Jude. Oh, oh man! Well, when I saw it from a distance, at first I thought you had a wolf. That was huge coyote. <laughs> Do you? Uh, there's a TV show, and it's. Have you ever watched Brooklyn Nine Nine? I haven't. No. He, uh, one of the guys, he's like showing him around his office. He's a police captain, and and uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's a wolf I shot in Utah." And the guy's like, <laughs> "The guy's like, looks like a dog." He's like, "Yeah, it was dark, <laughs> but he's got it fully mounted on the wall." <laughs> It's like yeah, it was dark. It's hilarious. It was dark. Um, I thought it was a wolf. That's hilarious, guys. Listen, if you're not following Jude on YouTube, seriously, you're not living right. So uh, go follow Jude. Um, Jason is a good friend of mine, and so it's a pleasure to have you on, oh, man. It's an honor to be um, here. Thank you. Just so you know, next time somebody asks, man, why are you bald, dude? Why, why the look? You just I I told one guy, uh, well, it was Fred Eichler. Um, he's uh, we he's doing a podcast with me. He gets on the podcast and he just goes, whoa, like the first time I shaved my head. And I'm like, I just told him, I said, yeah, Chuck or uh, Fred. I said, you know, um, I just, you know, hair holds scent. And I'm just such a serious hunter, man. I don't want to hold scent. (laughs) That's right. And so halfway through the episode, he goes, oh, by the way, do I need to shave just the head or is that like everything? (laughs) And I'm like, dude, everything, man. Everything. And uh, and you just hear from the background, his wife goes, I'm not shaving you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's At what that I tell point, people. The podcast yeah. is you're done. <laughs> yeah, I just tell people I'm like I'm just such a serious hunter, man. That I yeah, don't, I, absolutely yeah. all in, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Jude Outdoors on YouTube. He's a phenomenal young man. Uh, does a lot of stupid stuff, but that's what twelve year old kids should do in the woods. So <laughs> go follow him, guys. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a good week.